It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. All right, everyone. So good to have you back here. Episode 30. Yeah, I can't believe it myself. You know, to be honest, when I started with this idea of starting the podcast, I never thought it would make this far. But just can't thank you guys all enough for the support, the kind words, and just what everything you're doing to help implement into the lives of these junior golfers and raise them up to who they're going to be. I'm just looking forward to the future. I think it's so bright for the game of golf. And again, appreciate everything you guys are doing out there. So um, today's episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. We actually don't have a guest to interview. It's just going to be me kind of giving a talk about the golf season that's just around the corner. So some of you guys listening in, I know that there's snow on the ground outside and you're just scratching the head and just begging for it to dry up so you can get out and get on the golf course. Others fortunate who've been able to play golf through this winter season, you're also trying to prepare for being able to play golf a little bit more after work or play more golf after school because daylight savings is just a little bit over a week away. And so I'm going to make sure that you guys are all prepared. And then we're going to talk about some cool stories of Tiger Woods and just a little quick bio on some of the most recent PJ Tour wins and a little bit about their background so you have a better understanding of where they've come from. So in recent news, a couple weeks ago, I told you that I was going to go out and play golf with some of my friends. And uh, one of my good friends, Ryan, he's an active listener on the podcast. And he said that I will have to give them the results regardless whether I win or lose. So the tournament's called the Sham. And the initials or the letters of the Sham are the initials of all the members' last names. So that's how we came up with the name. And basically what we do is we play two to three rounds of golf over a period of usually two days. And what we do is we do stroke play based off our handicaps. And the most important rule is that you have to put everything out, which I recommend for you as adults, for you raising your kids. I think it's honestly, I think it's the best way to go to improve your game, both with your score and I think just mentally I think it's great so we do that and then we also do little match plays in between as well so needless to say you are listening to yours truly the winner of the sham 2021 and it was our 11th annual so I'm excited about that uh you know my mindset going into it was just to enjoy the fact that I get to play golf with some of my friends something I haven't done now for over a year which might be the case with you as well with coronavirus but I just went out I had the mindset to just have fun and just be in the moment with my friends. I had a game plan for my game to stay focused, but I didn't let the bad shots, the bad holes get to me. And I think it paid off and I'm really happy about the results and just not only just the results of the score, but just how much fun I had with my friends. And I recommend you do that as well. And other exciting news, I am going to start coaching golf at a facility very soon. And I'm going to keep you up to date on that, where it's going to be. I'm super excited. So is my family. I'm excited to get back out there and implement some of these junior golf programs and programs for adults that I think are going to be great for the development and growth of the game overall. And I think there's going to be a lot that I'm going to see and take away that can add value here to the podcast. 
like I said, look forward to that. Keep you all posted, all right? So the golf season is around the corner. And I hope that you're prepared and I hope that your children are prepared. So a couple of things you got to think about is how are your children physically and mentally? I mean, you know, besides the fact that it's been winter, a lot of us has just been staying indoors because of COVID. And so maybe it's something to think about with your kids. Maybe start doing some exercises with them in the house if you haven't already. Do some coordination games, um, you know getting them mentally prepared that they're going to be going back out and playing some more golf, practicing, maybe get them excited inside the house, maybe play some games, watch some more golf on TV. Um, But just something to think about for sure before you get your child signed up for the next program or summer camps, whatever it may be. And check in with your local golf course. See if they haven't opened already when they plan to. And if any junior golf programs haven't started or you haven't heard anything yet, Give them a call, reach out to them, see what their schedule is and plans are so you can make sure that you get your kids signed up because I think that golf is still going to continue to boom throughout this season and this year, and I think sign-ups are going to go quick, so make sure you're on top of that. If you are curious and interested or maybe had some doubts about some of the things that your child has been doing, whether it's the junior golf programs they've been in or the facility or whatever, you know, don't hesitate to give some calls to some other facilities. and just see what they offer and ask them if maybe they can come and do a trial, come try a class out, see the dynamic, see that environment and see if it's better than what you have been doing previously. Or you might find out that actually where you've been is actually the right spot, but don't be shy to at least give your, give your children a chance to um, see what other opportunities might be out there. And now this is for us adults and it's something I've done regularly, especially with the podcast, and I recommend it for you as well, is as an adult, have you reassessed your values for your junior golfer long term? So what I mean by that is, what is it exactly you want your kids, your children to get out of the game of golf? Now, that can be short term, long term, whatever it may be, but it's certainly something I would recommend writing down and thinking about. Because once you find out what's most important, then you'll know how to help out your child best. But it's easy, and I'm guilty of it as well as a parent and a coach, that, you know, we have these values. They're not really clear, but then we get in front of them and we see things happen. We get a little bit frustrated, but actually it's just because we're not – what we're doing and what we're saying may not be in line with what our true values are, and it's just because those aren't clear. So I recommend you as an adult definitely doing that. Write that down and see if that helps you and the dynamic of your junior golfer going forward. So a couple tips maybe for you as an adult, maybe you can try some things a little bit different this year if you feel like there's areas that you can improve in. I certainly think there's a lot that I can improve in, but maybe working on how you speak to children, how you speak to your junior golfer, what are the things they say, what are the words, when do you talk to them, is it after the round, is it at home, is it the next day? I also think another thing you should consider doing, even if you don't play golf, is Get out there and start playing golf. Play alongside with your junior golfer more. I think just observing from my children, they want me to be involved in everything. And playing golf alongside them, I think, is huge. They can watch you. They can they, they can see what you're doing. They can see how much you enjoy it. And, you know, if for you, one of your values is that your children have good etiquette respect for the game and a good mental strength. Well, I think as adults, we have to show them that in the golf course as well. And that's why, for example, myself, 
when I just played this last week with my friends in the sham, I told myself, look, don't get frustrated. Don't have these expectations as far as score goes. Just go out and have fun. And if I have a bad hole, you know, if anything, just laugh it off and move on to the next hole. I honestly had, I know for sure I can think of one situation. I had a triple bogey on a par five, and that was with me being 148 yards out on my approach shot. Lost it. The next hole I made a birdie. I just walked off the green and just kind of laughed off the triple bogey on a par five, which I was hoping to birdie or par, and didn't let it get to me. Next hole was birdie, and I think I parred out the rest of the round, which is pretty cool. So I think anybody can do that. It's just you got to have the right mindset. And when children are watching you play, you've got to show them that same mentality, and I think it'll rub off on them positively. I think it's just so important. So now, what if your junior isn't ready to play? I think it's okay but maybe we can discuss with them why they're not ready. Maybe they're not motivated or excited enough for it. Maybe they feel they haven't practiced enough. Well, I think all those things we can help them out with for sure. So maybe we can start playing some fun games, maybe spend five minutes, 10 minutes, nothing too long, but just enough to kind of get them up and coming again at home. Like I mentioned, play some games at home with them, maybe hit bowls, do a net, take them to the driving range, play some games out there, but try to keep it fun get them more ready to come out and play the game and get them more mentally prepared so that they know that they're ready to come out and play. Now, if they don't want to play, you know, we've talked about this and I'm sure you know as well, there's no need to force them. I think if they know that their friends are out playing golf and they start hearing the friends are going out, they're going to say, come to you and say, hey, mom, dad, I want to go out and play golf. Can you sign me up for that junior program? I think that's the time for sure. If they want to continue to take a break, it's okay. I mean, I think breaks sometimes are a blessing in disguise. And a lot of times they come back more excited. They come back both mentally and physically stronger. Um, one of the episodes I had is a parent stories of Zevi Perez. They have their son. He takes a break every November and December, every year. Comes back in January and he is pumped, ready to get back into the golf scene. And I think he's probably just been building up that excitement. And it's just a good time to give him a mental break. But I'm, I know based on... <laughs> How he's doing, he comes back stronger every year. So don't be afraid of letting your kid take a break. It's not a problem, you know? And finally, I'd say, let's, let's just remember it's their game. It's not ours when it's about them playing junior golf. It's their game. And when they're ready, they'll be ready, and they'll let us know. Okay, so now what we're going to talk about, I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to rewind a little bit. So... Back in December, there was this tournament on the PGA Tour. Well, it wasn't, I guess it was PGA Tour, but it's called the PNC, where it's basically, um, it's like a parent-child match. So, you know, Jack Nicholas used to play in it with his son, Gary. And this year, I'm sure, as you're all aware, Tiger Woods played with his son, Charlie, and it was the first time they've done it. And what said to me, it wasn't so much about how... Tiger and Charlie performed, but it was more about the mindset that Tiger has as his father slash coach for Charlie and how much it resonates with this podcast. So I would love to play the audio for you, but I'm going to share the link so that you can go back and watch it in the podcast, but I don't want any copyright issues. So what I did is I just took some notes and we're going to kind of go through these question by question from the media. So Tiger was doing this interview in front of the media, I think it was just before the first tournament, or the, sorry, the first round, or maybe it was just after the first round, I can't remember exactly, but they were great questions and phenomenal answers from Tiger Woods, and I just thought it was so cool to share. So one of the first questions was, 
how much hands-on instruction have you been doing with Charlie? And Tiger's answer, he said, there hasn't been much hands-on instruction. We just hit shots. Just like all kids, we mimic. And although his swing may be a little bit different from mine, we just practice hitting the same shots together and we have some more feels. He has the opportunity to enjoy that and that's exactly what he's doing. So basically what I hear from that is, here you are, you got Tiger Woods, the GOAT, greatest of all time, in my opinion. And now he has the son who's 11 years old, already playing pretty good golf. He does play some competition as well. And here he is saying he doesn't coach him hands-on. He never has, probably never will. But his major focus is that he has fun, enjoying what he's doing, and they hit shots together. And like Tiger said, kids mimic. Totally true. My eight-month-old son, my youngest, he mimics exactly what my oldest son does when playing golf. Sure, he can't swing, but he can hold the tool of the club or what looks like a club, and he can mimic trying to make the ball move. So I think keep that in mind. Children are brilliant, and mimicking monkey see, monkey do is so important for them. And as adults, I think we are always their role model, and Tiger sees that, so I thought that was cool. So next question from the media to Tiger. What was it like to see Charlie hit some of those shots, like that three wood on a hole five? Tiger's answer, it's just so much fun to see him enjoying golf and playing the game. He enjoys trying to feel those shots and hit those shots. It's just fun seeing him enjoy it. So here we are. I think the three wood that the media is talking about was he hit this little three wood. I think it was on a par five and he had to hit a draw and he curved it around the trees and hit it to like five or six feet. I think it was the hole he had his first eagle on and That's what they're referring to. It was a sweet shot. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. But besides that, again, you can just hear it's just, you know, he's just out there trying to feel some shots, hit some shots, having fun trying to hit different shots. Do that with your junior. It doesn't matter what level they're at, beginner, intermediate, player level, playing in tournaments. Hit some fun shots. You know, I think a big mistake we as adults make, and I've been guilty of this as well, coaching golf, is having hit the same shot over and over on the driving range. It's like we're trying to fix or band-aid a problem, but really we're not giving them the opportunity to really explore and try new things. And you'd be surprised how far that goes. I remember as a junior golfer, I was playing with some friends and they could hit draws, fades, slices, cuts, high, low. And I remember thinking I couldn't really do that, but I started trying to do it with them. And over time I could hit all of those shots. And if anybody asked me at that moment, how do you hit, let's just say, a high draw? Probably one thing I could tell them is like, oh, I just put the ball position a little bit left in my stance. And I don't know, I feel like my hands finish high or something. Maybe that's all I could say. But that was just based on feel. And nobody taught me to hit those shots. It was just me seeing my friends do it, me trying to do it relentlessly and every day trying to hit different shots. Same with the flop shot. Same with bunker shots. I mean, Nobody taught me to do that except for me just trying to figure it out with friends. So I think that's so cool. Next question was, is how much do you think he wants to pursue this game of golf in the future? And Tiger Woods' answer was, he said, I don't know. Whatever he does, as long as he enjoys it and has the passion for it, I'm happy for him. Going back to what our values are for our children, 
those are the clear values of Tiger Woods for Charlie. And I'm sure he sticks to that day in and day out. And because those values resonate every day in what they're doing, that's why Tiger's not so hands-on with the coaching. That's why they just practice hitting shots together. That's why they're just enjoying it. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. So what are your values? I think that's very clear what Tiger's values are for his son. Go back and think about what yours are. Next question was from the media. Was there anything your dad instilled on you as a child that you'd like to pass on to Charlie? And the first thing he said was, Tiger just said, just enjoying it and having the passion. I enjoy all those memories with my dad on the course. It was just so fun doing that with him. And, you know, again, it's just, you're hearing the same things over and over. At least I am. I'm hearing the same things over and over again. Enjoy it. Fun. Positive memories. And I think that's just what we have to do. You know, if if our children want to play golf, they want to go down the direction of playing competition, go down the direction of playing high school, college golf, the first step is enjoying it. We all say it, but if it's not in those values, then what we teach and what we instill and what we do, what body language we use won't be the same. So keep that in mind because it's really important. Now, the last question from the media that I'd like to share was it's probably over portrayed, but your parents didn't push you as much as people thought they did. You probably don't push Charlie either. Do you tiger just starts giggling, laughing. He says, no, he said, my dad never pushed me to play golf, run track, cross country, or any of those things. And whatever Charlie does, as long as he's enjoying it, that's what matters. And that's what he's doing right now. I think that interview just sums up so much for us and gives so much value for us as adults and raising golfers. And I've gone through, that was the fourth time I've watched the interview. It's like just under 10 minutes long. I'm going to share the link. Like I said, you got to watch it. Just listen to it. Take some notes, whatever it may be, and just try to implement some of those main points that he talks about. And I'm sure you all will continue to enjoy the game for much longer. Okay, cool. So the last part of this episode of me just going on talking and getting us ready for that golf season is just a couple of basic bios. And you can do your own research as well on these guys, but just some of the recent winners in the PGA Tour thought there was some interesting connections. And then I also thought that there was some interesting things to share. So Let's go back to the AT&T Pro-Am. The winner was Daniel Berger. He's originally from Florida. Interesting thing about him, he didn't start playing golf till he was 11 or 12 years old. He didn't even play high school golf, but he did end up playing college golf at Florida State University. His dad is a tennis pro. Daniel plays tennis as well, and I think they just have that competitive nature within the family. And I'm sure there was a lot of things that his dad could teach him as far as sports goes from tennis to golf that connects and maybe you couldn't teach him necessarily the golf swing itself but there's just so much more to any sport than just the sport itself and the dynamic of how to play that sport so i thought that was quite cool uh daniel's had i think he's had three or four pga tour wins now on the tour and if you look at his golf swing it's not quite your Rory McIlroy standard golf swing is quite laid off at the top. But again, does it really matter? I mean, he gets it done. He's a good player. 
And I think a lot of times we overlook that perfect golf swing and I don't think a golf swing has to be perfect. And I think there's just so many different ways to get it done. And there's so many different ways we can help junior golfers out succeed if that's what they really want. Next guy, Brooks Kapka, we all know him. He won the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He started golf at a young age and played a lot of golf with his younger brother, Chase, and his dad. And then the parents decided to move. They're from Florida. They decided to move to a house in Florida where the boys could walk to the golf course, practice and play. It's huge. I mean, it's a little extreme, I guess, to move your house to, you know, so that you have that. But at the same time, I think it's so cool. I would do it. I would do it for myself. If I could just walk to the golf course every day, oh my God, life would be so much easier. Commuting sucks. And I think that environment just allowed these boys to thrive. And even Chase, he's a professional golfer as well. And, you know, giving our children that kind of opportunity just to let them go play, let them go out. It's like the backyard. Just They're at the golf course practicing. That's what they like to do. And they have the ability just to walk there and go there themselves. Awesome. But what's interesting about Brooks was, I don't know if you've actually read about this, but his professional career was not easy. It had a lot of ups and downs. So 2012, he became a professional golfer, started on the Challenge Tour, won, I think, in his first year, if not his second. So the Challenge Tour is like the Corn Ferry Tour, but for the European Tour. Then he went on the European Tour. So this guy is from Florida. He's just been overseas. European Tour, Challenge Tour. Those guys travel all over the world to play golf. So here's Brooks. He's... He's, he's trying to make cuts. He's flying all over the world. He's got some crazy stories about when he was in India and he's been in some really dodgy situations, but they're good life skills that he's gotten through. And, you know, he persevered, got on the European tour, and then finally he made it on the PGA tour. And I think his first win was the Phoenix Open back in 2015. And it's been all good since then as far as major wins and all that. But he also went to Florida State University, same as Daniel Berger, which I thought was quite an interesting connection there. So we got two more. Uh, Max Homa, he won the Genesis just a few weeks ago. He actually grew up in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles, which is cool. That's a uh, hometown win for him. And you know what's interesting about him is that his home course was a mix of an 18-hole executive course and a nine-hole par three course. Nine-hole par three course. So. Perfect for junior golf. Wasn't your high-end country club. I actually saw a video. Yeah, the course is just your standard municipal golf course. And again, it's executive. And he says that's where he met most of his friends that are still as close to today, including his caddy. That's where he met him there. Anyways, he uh, he loved the game so much. He became a pretty good high school player. Went on to play at UC Berkeley. And now he's got two PGA Tour wins. But I just thought that was cool just kind of hearing his dynamic. I grew up on an executive par three course. And I think it's a great place for junior golfers to play. And they can play it much longer than you think. I still like playing them now. I actually played night golf uh, just recently down in San Diego. Teed off at 730. Uh, two par fours and I think seven par threes. Loved it. It was so much fun. Get out there and play some more par three executive courses. I think it's great for everybody and the whole family. Uh, and then the last one, this is again, that kind of interesting connection. Colin Morikawa, he just won the WGC Workday just last week. He also grew up in Los Angeles, same as Max Hama, and he also played for UC Berkeley. Strange connection there, isn't it? Um, he's had a lot of success, I'm sure, as you know. And I just the thing I want to share with him was just his recent credit to Tiger Woods. So after he won last week, he just said, you know, we don't say thank you enough. 
And I know for myself personally, I don't say thank you enough either. And I think it's huge. And I'm just thankful for, for everything that I have. And there's been a lot of ups and downs, but just being able to thank people, I think is so huge. And he went out and thanked Tiger Woods on national television and just said how much of an inspiration he's been for him as a child and still professionally today. So I just thought, man, what a great guy, Colin, cool guy. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to, to grow up in the game of golf. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some things to take away from it. I'm excited about these interviews I've got coming up in the next couple of weeks for you guys and just excited for the game of golf and what's forward for, for all of us. So anyways, keep doing what you're doing. I think all of you out there, the people I hear from, I think you guys do an awesome stuff with your junior golfers. And if there's any little bits you can take away from this podcast to help the relationship and you being able to raise your golfers, then I would call this podcast a success. So thank you again, everyone. Hope you all have a great week and look forward to sharing some more stuff with you here soon. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.